Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. In each episode, we catch up about what we've been doing recently, recommend something that we've really been enjoying, and then we go on to discuss a topic that we feel is really relevant to everything that's going on right now. They're often the types of topics that cover things that we're all thinking about, but aren't necessarily having the conversations about. If you enjoy this one or any of our other episodes, please don't forget to hit subscribe and also go and check out our previous episodes, which are all on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Acast. So how are you doing? Um, I'm finding it quite disappointing that it's 6.15 in the evening and it's almost dark when we're recording. Um, discuss. <laughs> you know what? I was literally about to say I've, I've turned off the light in here and now I'm actually sat here in, in complete darkness because I can't reach the main light to turn it on. Um, I'm like, how is it so dark? And it's quarter past six. I mean, I feel like we're so British because it happens every year and still we talk about it. But yeah, I'm fully aware that this weekend it will be this dark at quarter past five. And all week I will spend the time going this time next week, it will be this dark at four at five. Like it's boring. And for everyone who's listening, I'm sorry that it's all we will talk about now until March when it starts to get lighter and the clocks change in the other direction. (laughs) Yeah, I even saw um, someone I follow on Instagram who is American. I think she's from New York. And I guess they maybe don't have such a dramatic change in the light there, I guess, because it's a bit further south. And she's in Paris at the moment. And she was like, she was like, this is absolutely ridiculous that you come out for sunrise, but sunrise is quarter past eight. She's like, it's just not helpful. (laughs) It's not productive. I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. Like sunrise at quarter past eight and it's only going to get, later as well yeah it's the going to and from work in the dark I'm not looking forward to but hopefully this winter we're not going to be in a lockdown so I'm trying to like go out for walks and actually I went for a walk (laughs) this evening after I finished work and I had like really grumpy feeling you know in like February March and everyone was like I'm gonna go on a poxy fucking walk again I'm gonna do my stupid (laughs) little walk from a stupid little corner in my stupid little walking shoes and I felt like that and I was like no 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 we're gonna start this autumn in a much better head space um, and embrace the coziness because what else can we do? Like there are positives yeah. to the season. Oh yeah. I'm exactly the same as well. And I'm already trying to think, okay, like which can I go and visit some Christmas markets this year in the UK? Cause a few of them are opening up and like a few nice yes. national trust places nearby that are doing like little Christmas, like festive markets. And I'm trying to plan things like that because we couldn't last year. And also yeah. Taylor's never experienced the normal Christmas here either like because obviously his was a lockdown Christmas last year so I'm really I'm trying to see the positives of like we get to go and do all of that stuff and he gets to experience like a proper Christmas here that is really exciting yeah yeah speaking of exciting though I have to share at the weekend I spent two hours with 27 golden retrievers and it was maybe the best day of my life 
I saw this on your Instagram and I gasped and I ran into the bedroom and was like, Alex, whatever you're doing right now, stop and look at Helly's Instagram story. And you went, that's it. She wins birthdays forever. <laughs> Do you know what? I kept that a secret for over a year. I'm like, so impressed. <laughs> because as soon as I like found out about it, I just thought I can't tell Taylor. Like, I can't show him. And usually we show each other like funny cat and dog videos all the time. Thought I cannot show him this because I don't want him to have any idea that it even exists. So I just didn't show him any of their content for a whole year. And then when we pulled up on, on Friday or whenever it was, he was like, oh, look at all of those dogs. Oh my God. Why is there so many dogs? <laughs> He's, oh like, oh, he's like, are we doing, is this, is this a golden re- retreat? He's like, what? He was absolutely baffled. It was the oh. best response. <laughs> oh, bless him. It was, it was a lot of fun. And then I got to show him Dorset as well, which My you will yeah, appreciate the love for Dorset. I'm very pleased that he finally got to see that part of the UK as well. I'm very pleased he got to see Durdle Door. It was, and it, it even was a little bit sunny for like five minutes as well, which was nice. He got to see it in some sunshine, which actually I've never seen in the sun either. So that was a novelty. Yeah. No, because even though I went in the summer before, because I knew it was going to be so busy, I, bless my mum, dragged her there at sunrise. Um, and you know, that really <laughs> steep walk down there. And obviously yeah. sunrise in the summer, it's like 4.30, 5 o'clock, bless her. She's <laughs> like, I never again. <laughs> oh my god she is a hero I know I know but you also had a very cozy autumnal weekend I think I did so it was the first weekend we'd had where Alex wasn't working he didn't have an exam I didn't have loads of stuff to do and we just had the most beautifully indulgent weekend like I had a bath on Saturday afternoon and drank red wine in the bath like proper rich chant no kid vibes Ooh. and I've discovered red wine um so now the I'm best. A grown- I love it I'm, I'm a fan, but we can talk about red wine later because I want all your recommendations. Um, and we just had the coziest day. One of the local bakeries near us does pumpkin mini pumpkin pies, it turns out. So several of those were bought and consumed. And then yesterday we went to a local pick your own farm and picked pumpkins, which I know not everyone loves the idea of, but I just think it's so fun. Like it was just a really, lo- it, we were only there at half an hour, but everyone was kind of excited and we got a couple of pumpkins. So we're using them to decorate at the moment and then we will eat them over the weekend um, after Halloween has been and gone. But I would just really like, if you're looking for something to do on like a weekend afternoon or whatever, it's such a nice way to spend some time. And it's so different to what you normally do. We actually mm. said we want to go back there at the other times of the year because they do strawberries asparagus apples like they basically do everything at this farm and you can go and pick it and we're saying how it's so nice to support a local business like that as well yeah we when did I the last time I picked pumpkins was when I lived in Oxford so it would have been I think 2018 but it was exactly the same there it was on like an organic farm and Mm. the rest of the year they did like pick your own like various fruit and veg and we ended up going back there as well and getting some more throughout the year it was so nice they had a beautiful farm shop as well and exactly that like I wouldn't I don't know I do understand people who are like oh it's been so commercialized or it's become very American like this celebration of Halloween I love it like I think it's so different from any other kind of holiday or festive time of the year and it does actually give you a little bit something to look forward to in that like weird lull when the days are getting darker but it's not Christmas yet well that's kind of what we said like otherwise we probably would have just gone for a wander around town or something and it was actually really nice just to be out in nature, see the farm, see all these other like kids really excited. There were so many little kids dressed up as pumpkins. Like, 
and out to <laughs> parents they 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 excelled at the assignment um but yeah it was just a really nice way to spend the afternoon just something a little bit different we were saying how like if that had been a thing I mean maybe it was a thing when we were kids and it just wasn't like publicized but if it had been a thing when we were kids we think we'd have had just as fonder memories as that as Alex does for going and getting the Christmas tree because it's just like yeah. getting all wrapped up and doing something different isn't it mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I would recommend and actually I think especially this year when the farms have had a really tough time and obviously all of these things couldn't be done last year there's something that feels really nice about also supporting those businesses now yeah absolutely I couldn't agree more do you want to share your recommendation for the week yeah so mine is honestly not actually something I ever thought I would recommend and it's a tv show on I mean it's not like that out there or anything it's because I actually thought I didn't like the person who's in it Um, oh I know what you're going to recommend do you I think I do. Carry on, I'll tell you if I'm right or not. Oh my God. Okay. Um, so it's a Netflix series and it's called Jack Whitehall Travels with My Father. <gasps> no, that's not what I thought you were going to say. But how have you, how did you not, how have you never watched that? It's like completely up your street. No, I cannot stand Jack Whitehall or I previously no. have never, I've never liked anything he's been in. I find his stand up really awkward. I think he's like, I just, I've always thought he was a bit of a posh dickhead and I've never really <laughs> gelled with his humour. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I've just never, what was the famous thing that he was in The everyone oh, watched? Something, yeah. That was, I hated that. Yeah. I didn't like that. Um, so yeah, just was never first, but um, when we were in Ireland, I think we were packing actually to move on and Taylor put it on in the background and it was absolutely like had me in full on stitches. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not new. I think there's five series. Um, yeah. And we actually started off watching the most recent one and they're traveling in the UK because it's like post COVID, well, not post COVID, but in the, over the last year. So obviously they've not been able to go abroad. So it's kind of been interesting seeing them, like they go to Wales and explore some of like their family heritage and, kind of see some of the really famous spots in like Dorset, Cornwall, Kent, like do all the South, but then they go up to like Scotland and the North and absolutely like had me in stitches. I think I enjoyed it as well because I was watching it with Taylor and the British humour that I probably <laughs> wouldn't have like laughed at as much if he didn't think it was so funny. But I think I just like it because he does poke a lot of fun at himself and it's very, yeah. it's like that middle-class humour and it's the whole point of it is he's trying to like bond with his very like stuck up, father who's obviously very like middle upper middle class as well so they go on all of these kind of weird trips to it's supposed to be like a bonding father-son experience but his dad is just so stuck up and then his humor is just like trying to diffuse the situation and it ends up being hilarious and awkward and Mm. all kinds of things but I just I thought it was absolutely great and it's not like groundbreaking or anything but it's that perfect um in the background easy watching if you're looking for something to kind of have a laugh and yeah something to put on in the evening and just enjoy nothing too heavy going I've really enjoyed getting into it we so we actually started with series one and I would say series one and two are by far the funniest um so you're in for a treat but we started watching it last year when we got covid and we were just miserable as sin as you can imagine and oh my god we were like physically hurting from laughing because it is just that really silly thing and it I think it gets really heartwarming through the series as well because he really Mm. touched on the fact that his dad is a lot older than him I think his dad was like in his 50s we had him so he's like I know I'm very lucky to actually even still have my dad around like he's in his 80s um but it's just 
it's really funny and you're right it's that self-awareness of him being like I know I'm a bit of a posh twat like yeah it's the first time I've really yeah I've really laughed at it and also it has that similar self-awareness in these more recent episodes that kind of filmed like after the well during after pandemic when they've been traveling in the UK um and he's talking about how his sisters had a baby and he's saying like how grateful he is to again be able to do this and it's like I was worried about you and mum and like you getting through the pandemic and now you're here and you have your first grandchild and it's, it kind of like touches on a lot of really nice sentiments but without being too heavy yeah I think that's a perfect way of saying it and like I found that I learned quite a lot when I was watching it about lots of different things and I think it's a really it's a really nice way of seeing like people step outside their comfort zone and mm. how they grow I just yeah and it's, yeah. it's funny it's silly it's funny like it's just in the evenings when you've had a long day it's that sort of thing that you want isn't it it is I'm really intrigued to know what you thought I was going to say I thought you were going to say I might actually even cut this out because I'm so ashamed to admit I've watched it thought you were going to say okay. Clarkson's farm no but I am kind of intrigued by that so I am not a Jeremy Clarkson fan and it's no secret um so I was like I'm not gonna watch it because I don't like it and everyone kept recommending it to me my dad's like you're gonna love yeah, it it's so great. many people have recommended it and to then me. people like our age started recommending it and I was like oh maybe it's not just like boomer comedy so we watched it this weekend and actually it's really funny and actually we've learned quite a lot and so I'm now sheepishly <laughs> like oh, I actually quite enjoyed it but I also don't want to admit I watched it <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Like, I, I don't really like him um, and I wasn't that fussed. But yes, so many people have recommended it and said how good it is that now I am intrigued. I yeah, have like <laughs> we're both really excited to watch it this evening and I think you would enjoy <laughs> it. And I begrudgingly actually have really enjoyed it. And it's really, do you know what? Actually, it's really interesting learning about farming like that because it's, yeah, wow, what a fucking industry. Like, have a whole new respect Mm. for farmers on that note do you want to share your recommendation yes uh so mine is a tv show but it's slightly less down like the comedy funny route than yours so i don't know if you caught any of the earthshot prize documentaries that are on the bbc over the past couple of weeks no i haven't it's a concept thought up by prince william and the earthshot prize council and, and that includes people like sir david attenborough um there's a lot of really um influential people in different areas who have come together to set up a award ceremony as it were so every year for the next nine years they will award a million pounds to different initiatives within five areas that we have to tackle in order to save the planet and they call it an earth shot because it's kind of like based on the um, moon landings. I think it was called a moon shot, but it's that similar idea of like, we need like a really brilliant groundbreaking thing to come along and help us save the planet basically. And so I kind of caught it actually by accident on the first day it was on, I was flicking through the channels and I found it and I was like, Oh, actually this is really interesting. So we've gone back and watched all five episodes where They tackle a different element of the climate crisis and they start by giving you all the context of what the problem is. So say it's like cleaning the oceans, they'll explain like why it's important to have clean oceans, the problem that we're facing, and they'll break it down by different places in the world. And they do it in a way that really does hit home how serious it is. It isn't like terrifying and scary so much as it is like, Jesus, this is actually like a this is a real problem. And you can kind of see the scale of it because I think sometimes it's so difficult to understand the true scale of things. When people are like, oh, the oceans need cleaning. You're like, Jesus, like how, 
how can I possibly do that? But then they break down all the different ways in which um, there are different communities across the world who are doing really brilliant things um, to help save the oceans. Like there's a woman in Seattle who has a dog that this is my favorite. She has a dog that she rescued from a shelter and he has been trained to sniff out these pollutants in like old paint that was used that currently like pollute water supplies. Um, so they like go around and try and find these locations to then deal with the pollutant. And it's really like crazy innovative stuff like this. And then at the end of each episode, they showcase um, like three ideas that are up for the prize. And then there's a big concert at the end, which is still on iPlayer, um, where they award the different like prizes to people. Um, and I think the prize element is great. I love that. I love that they're really rewarding that innovation and particularly small um, organizations who wouldn't actually be able to do some of these things otherwise. But the thing I've really enjoyed is how they've put together the documentary. And I just think if you want to know more about the climate crisis and how you can help, and you also just want that affirmation that there are really good people doing really good stuff I'd really recommend again for the second week in the row I've in a row I've got very like passionate about a tv show and just monologued for like five minutes sorry um but it, I love the passion but I it, do you know what it just left me feeling hopeful and almost like do you know what we can do this and that's rare when it comes to climate information I think yeah I think that's a really good way of doing it as well like I mean, obviously the reward aspect, I think that's great in itself that people are being rewarded. But I also think it's not just like another documentary, again, yeah, just bombarding people with the information of how yeah. bad it is. Like it's actually showing that there's all of these people who are taking these really unique and innovative ways to try and help the situation and they're being rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's that more human element, isn't it? Yeah. That yes, there are humans involved and they are doing their bit and they are they are getting some kind of reward for it. And I know that's not everyone and there's so many people doing their bit, but yeah, that's such an interesting way, such a different way as well, I think, to approach it rather than, as much as I love like an Attenborough documentary, sometimes it is a bit like overwhelmingly, like where do you start with it? Yeah. Um, and this- To hear it in that way. Totally. And this really helped with like, and this wasn't something I expected to get out of it, but it's really made me more interested in the green economy and green investments and how you can support some of these organizations because obviously there's loads of really amazing things out there, but having like a list of 15 of like people who are like on the shortlist to win the prize, it's just things you'd never thought of, or at least I hadn't thought of before. Like people who are finding ways to grow coral and attach it to like living seawalls and stuff like this. And you're like, wow, like, there is actually hope. And when you look at the science of um, what we need to achieve, some of it is bloody terrifying. Some of it you're like, oh, so actually the world can start to recover if we give it the chance to. And I definitely felt like that's what I needed. I didn't know I needed to hear that, but I really did. Mm, yeah, I can absolutely get that. That's really interesting. So it's on iPlayer still. All of it's on BBC iPlayer. I think you can find ways to watch it internationally because I think this is part of, you know, David Attenborough did that um, thing. I think he did it with Netflix as well, where it's like there are five or six series that are really pushing mm. the environment and basically solving the climate crisis. So they are available to watch elsewhere. So if I can find out how you can watch it outside of um, the UK, I will link that as well. week on the podcast we wanted to chat a little bit more about saying I don't know and why it's okay to to own that and to own saying I don't know 
about something, about a situation. You don't have to have the answers to everything. And I think human beings like certainty and there's this kind of stigma or taboo around admitting that you don't know something because it implies like a lacking of something and it ends up being looked down on. And I think the way we want to approach the topic this week is how there's actually a lot of power in owning that I don't know. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Like as a kid, you're always taught that you should know the answer, but not be too boastful about it. And I think especially if you're someone who prides themselves on maybe their job or um, like something that defines, knowing something very well, maybe it's like, I don't know, you're the cook in your family or something like that. When you're faced with not knowing something, it can feel quite uncomfortable and stressful And there's almost that gut reaction to be like, make it up or like, you have to know the answer. But as soon as you say, actually, I don't know that, or, oh, I'm not sure. I just think it opens up a conversation in a totally different way. And it's particularly like valuable at work or in work scenarios where you then get to change the culture and you start to create a culture where questioning things and owning up to things like that are allowed. Yeah, I think there's a real, there's a real requirement to kind of normalize being open about this because the second you would, I I don't even want to say admit because admit sounds like you're, you're saying like you're opening up about something negative, like you've been hiding something. I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that you don't know something because I think when you would do, you're almost creating that space to allow other people into the conversation. And it, it, yeah, it does show that kind of openness to learning. And I think something that you said there, and actually I hadn't thought of, but it's not just about the work context. You were saying like, oh, if you're the cooking cook in your family, I think if you're in any position of, of leadership or authority in general, there's this expectation that you should know something. But that also covers like not just being a manager at work or managing like line managing someone, but even like in roles, like being a parent and stuff, and you're expected to know the answer to everything just because you're in that position of authority to your child. And again, I really think that if you're a parent and your child asks you something, you don't know the answer. I think that's a really important and valuable way to open up the conversation. If you turned around and said, I don't know the answer, but why don't we go and find it out together? Like, I think that's such a valuable skill that we should actually be teaching children in general. For sure, because then it kind of teaches you to have that problem focus, like that solution focused mentality, sorry, rather than, oh, I don't know. And I think if you answer it, oh, I don't know that and it's dismissive and then you don't want to kind of learn or understand or have anyone else's input, then sure, that isn't a particularly positive thing. But if you're saying, actually, I don't know. And by saying that you kind of keep your integrity, that's actually really important. I would always rather someone say to me actually I don't know but let me find out for you and know that they're valuing their honesty and their integrity over their ego than have someone kind of bullshit me a bit and kind of pull together an answer that isn't really accurate Um, and I think particularly Mm. in a work setting that's important because you might kind of make up an answer and think oh it's only going to one person but you don't know where that's going to end up and you don't want to be held account accountable for something that isn't true yeah oh yeah absolutely I I've definitely said this before, but when I started my job in Australia, it was the first time I'd ever actually been taught in a job to say, I don't know, like the, because I worked in financial services, there was a really big, this is a really big implication for you, for the company, for customers, if you gave inaccurate information. So when I was trained, I was told, if you don't know the answer, say to the customer, oh, I'm really sorry. I don't know that, but let me find out and I'll, I'll come back to you as soon as I can. 
And I I actually loved that because mm-hmm. I felt in like I felt so much more confident as well that I was that it was acceptable for me to do that. I think there's a massive there's like two factors of kind of it, one you don't know the implications if you if you just make something up and pull it out of thin air but two I think it gives you a, a lot more self-confidence if you're able to admit that you don't know something but also the self-awareness to say I'm going to find out for you because you know it's yeah you know it's important to someone and you want to give them the answer yeah I think there's that association particularly kind of like in a work setting where if you don't know the answer it means you've not got ownership over the situation and you're not leading properly but actually say you're doing a presentation the thing that used to stressed me out so much about presenting was what if someone asked me a question that I don't know the answer to and someone just said to me say you don't know but you'll go and find out and it's you're still owning the situation you're still in control of it and you're still setting the narrative but the narrative is I want to get the right information for you but I will need a little bit of time you're still managing expectations and the world isn't going to end just because you don't know the answer to that question but it's then saying oh actually I don't know and it's almost just a more considered response as well because I think then you Mm. in other areas of life you then go actually I I don't know like why am I feeling like I do have to know the answer to this maybe it's like within your friendship group or with family or something like you don't have to know all the answers because ultimately as human beings we can't like we're fallible we're going to get things wrong we're not always going to know especially with so many areas that are constantly evolving and I think that's okay Mm, I I absolutely agree because I feel like you are you're taught from such a young age if you don't know something then that's like a it's a weakness or it's a like it's a gap in your in your knowledge or in your education so it's seen as really negative but actually especially in a work situation like you yes even if you're in a position of leadership or responsibility even if you're the director of a company that you can't you can't actually know everything about every single thing that's going on. And I think it's really misguided to think that you should know. And I was looking up stuff for this episode and I came across a Forbes article that was just about leadership in general. But um, it there was a little quote in it that said, effective leaders are able to set a vision and direction, get others to buy into this vision and mobilize them to produce the change required. None of this requires having all the answers, yet many people's idea of a leader involves someone who has foresight and insight, who is able to see what others don't. This can often translate to never saying the words, I don't know. And Mm. I think that's so true. I guess also there's so much in that about empowering the people around you as well, like trusting that the people you have in your team, they've been hired for a reason, they're experts in their own area. So they are meant Mm. to know stuff you don't know. And actually by turning around and going, do you know what? I actually don't know, but what's your opinion on this? Or do you know the answer? Especially when you're a more senior member of a team and you're asking a junior, I think it can just be so empowering. And it also shows such a level of respect. Like I was going to say, yeah, respect and humility. Yeah, totally. And it kind of gets away from that archaic idea of someone who's more senior must know all the answers. And I think that's where we get into a really dangerous place of, people who are just leading and or they're not leading they're managing and they're trying to do it all and it's just their vision but because no one else is getting involved it kind of doesn't move forward in the way it should and I don't think that's the way any of us really want to operate like we by saying I don't know you allow healthy conversation and I think it's a really good check for our egos as well like you in one fell sweep you can put your your ego in check and empower someone else and that there's not very many circumstances where you can actually do that 
Oh yeah, totally. I think I just I just think there is so much power in owning that I don't know phrase because it's I think it says a lot about you as a person. But like you said, it's it's opening the door for someone else to kind of step in as well. And I think it does link back a little bit to like the conversations that we were having with the knowledge gaps episode and like smart people don't actually think that they're smart because they have an awareness of how much they Mm. don't know. And I think that self-awareness kind of plays into that and acknowledging that you don't know something, but like you said, being proactive about I'll find out the answer or asking for someone else's input is a far more powerful way of admitting you don't know something than kind of burying your head in the sand or, or making up a blind lie just because you think that that's the best way to get out of an uncomfortable situation. My um my neighbour has just started playing the guitar, so I'm very sorry if you can hear that. Last week you had fireworks. I can't actually hear it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Last week you had fireworks. This week it's a guitar. Um, but I think it kind of also takes away some of that pressure. Like we live in a world where you can Google something at the touch of a button, and I think there is sometimes that thing of oh my god, for Christ's sake, just Google it. Like find out for yourself. And I completely like support that in some circumstances. But I also think sometimes there's a lot more value in actually asking someone for their lived experience, someone who's done it for several years, someone who has experienced things playing out in different ways. Like I can Google till the end of time about what it's like to be a freelancer and what it's like to go self-employed and I will get the facts and I might get other people's opinions but actually there is also value in me going do you know what I actually don't know but you know so let me call you and talk to you because you've experienced it you maybe like it's that we've got a shared like experience previously we think in similar ways and that sort of thing seeking that out and actually asking people is still a really valuable way of learning and you don't actually have to find everything out yourself like sure if it's how you do a formula on excel google that shit but if it's like more than that I just think it's almost sometimes better to say I don't know can we catch up about that or can I get your thoughts on that yeah I think it's actually a really I don't want to say easy because obviously it's hard to admit if you don't know something and if, if that makes you feel uncomfortable but I think it's a really valuable tool to like diversify the voices because like you said you can't google experience but if you're in a situation at work and you want to hear from diverse voices and different experience in different different classes different backgrounds different ethnicities like you want that diversity in there that a lot more companies are trying to embrace and I think that that's a really like easy if you can yeah kind of check your ego at the door really easy way to do that by saying I don't know but I would like mm-hmm. to hear from this person because they have an experience that I don't have totally because by opening up the kind of conversation and allowing I don't know to be normal for everyone you invite people who maybe previously felt they couldn't show that there's a flaw or they felt mm. they were held to a higher account or have been held to a higher account because of their gender or their race or their religion or their sexual identity that's really powerful to say actually we create a culture where it's okay for anyone to ask a question it's not going to reflect badly on you actually with rather the honesty I think that moves Mm. us on and does really help to create that environment that really is inclusive because you can have everyone at the table but if people don't feel like they can speak at the table then kind of you're not doing the right thing yeah it's much more human isn't it to actually admit that you have that I don't even want to say flaw or weakness because it's not you can't know everything but 
I think it's more human to admit that you don't know something and then it makes it makes you more approachable anyway mm-hmm. yeah because then you'll have more people approach you being like oh I don't know this can you can I get your input because you're almost seen as that judgment free zone and in doing mm. you get to help others and it kind of feeds back in a positive way and I think as soon as you sit back and go I actually don't know the answer or I don't have to know the answer that's the other thing we don't have to know all the answers I think we all put a lot of pressure on ourselves to know everything and also know what we want to do and what our next step's going to be and it's totally fine to sit there and go I don't know because yeah part of it isn't it that's part of the experience oh yeah I mean that's obviously a completely got a separate angle of it Mm -hmm. but yeah that the expectation that you should know what you want to do or where you're going to be next next year or in five years time or what route you're going to follow in your career or your life or whatever it might be I think again you you don't need to know and again society kind of makes you think that you should know or expects that you should know and you don't you don't have to and again I think we should normalize that because chances are there's a lot more people kind of sitting there keeping quiet because they're nervous about the fact that they don't know when actually there's a lot of people in the exact same situation and talking about it more normalizes it more yeah it's like it's okay to change your mind I um I always we used to have that on our fridge at home and it's kind of a ridiculous story but I do think it's relatively like amusing my mum picked out a brand new kitchen this was years ago and my dad and my uncle got all the pieces got it from Ikea we're ready to go and Ikea have a policy that is it's okay to change your mind and they went to start fitting it and my mum was like oh my god no do you know what it's not the right one it's not the one I want I've made the wrong decision so they packed it all back up to get all back to Ikea and Ikea let them swap it and they gave her they gave her like this little note that stuck on the top that said it's okay to change your mind and I love that it really makes me chuckle because obviously at the time like you can imagine like having to do a two-hour round trip to swap a kitchen like no one wants to do that on a Saturday evening um, but then this little thing just sat on our fridge and it ended up sitting there for like 10 years. And I think subconsciously seeing it every single day was like a really positive affirmation in my own mind. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it is okay to change my mind. Like this was not intentional parenting, but it really got into <laughs> my head. Like it's true, isn't it? Like this, as soon as that's like a thing and it almost kind of joking off, I'm like, it's okay to change your mind. Um, and you normalize it. And it's the same for saying, I don't know the answer to this, or I don't quite know what I'm doing, or, oh my God, can you help me? It's, you know, there's benefits to it for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode and thought the conversation was quite helpful. If you did, please get in touch with us. All of our contact details are in the show notes as always. And we will be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, stay safe and have a great week. Bye. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.